They're taking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top-end pub... Yes, I see. Here's me, bungee jumping. Look at that. Check it out. This is on the jet ski. That was awesome, I tell you what. Oh, and this is the karaoke night I was telling you about. Check it out. You've got to come around later on tonight. I've got heaps more. Smith! Oh, what do you want? More! No, no, no. He's buggered off. Andy's here, though. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. Oh, right. Uh, holiday's over. Come on. G'day fishers and welcome aboard. As I said, the holidays are over and it's grand. I'm glad to be back aboard this fine, fine vessel, of course. Fine is probably talking it up a bit. We all know it's a busted ass, smoky old conveyance, but it's comfortable and it's familiar. And you know where you stand in this busted ass old conveyance. It's familiar, it's lovely, it's a bit on the nose, but I'm liking it. Had a great holiday and while I was away, word was coming in on the mullet phone of the thousands, the thousands of meteries being stomped all over the top and thousands of meteries which says to me, it's a click. We're enduring a click fest in the Northern Territory right at the moment, friends. A click, you say, yes, a kilometre. A kilometre, a thousand barramundi. Surely we're able to possibly walk across to man Dora Jetty on the backs of silver slappers by the reports that I'm hearing. I'm hoping those reports continue long enough for me to get a little bit of slappy, clicky, metery action because it's been a long time in between drinks, friends. A long time in between drinks. Welcome aboard Tales from the Tinny. In my absence, it's been in the capable hands of Andy and Tim, and uh, Tim's buggered off and left me. He said, you've had enough holidays, I'm off. See ya. It's all yours. You left the joint in a disgraceful mess, I must admit. There's crap everywhere. Rolled up bits of paper. The beer fridge, the cardinal sin, the beer fridge is empty, apart from his crap mid-strength that I refuse to drink. Unacceptable. But Andy has put in a sterling effort in my absence, and it's Great to have you on board for one last gallop, Andy. G'day, Rob. And the, the level of energy in this studio in the past three minutes is phenomenal. He's, <laughs> he's literally been bouncing off the walls. We're going to have to get maintenance in to fix that crack over there. <laughs> oh, uh, it is I'm, good I'm, to be back. It's great to have you back. It's, and, and I'm speechless, Rob, which is not going to work real well for the rest of the show. I'll probably have to get some words back. <laughs> but for now, I'm speechless. It's great to have you back. But the horses have been slapping the place. It's, the reports are coming thick and fast of meteries, big meteries, big mobs 
of just meteries and 90s, the reports of the amount of 90s that are almost also ran, don't really worry about that, is extraordinary. Well, we talked about the fear of missing out on Barra while you were away. Uh. That's just been elevated because what's happening now is it's just looking too easy. Yeah, yeah. And we're that- hearing a few yarns today about people who have put mates, southerners, out of fish. And there's that, that terrible thing of, oh, why do you mob winch so much? This is so easy, this game. It's a terrible precedent to set, isn't it? It is. It devalues the effort factor and the cost factor that mm. we all invest in. does indeed. Now, horses. Horses. Did we have, have we ever defined the demarcation point of a horse? I tried to find some, um, some internet definitions and I couldn't. So I don't I think, think you'll find it in the internet. I think it, you'll be finding it in the front bar well, it's or not, around boat ramps. It's not even in the Urban Dictionary or yeah. any of that. It's, it's a real sort of cloud of... Mystery. I don't think you can put a number on it, Rob. No. I don't. I don't think we say, oh, you know, 117 and above is a horse. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think we I'll... can say. I think we can say anything. Even a big 90 is a slapper, or over a meter is a slapper. I think that's fair enough to say. And is it all about length? Does thickness come into it too? Oh, now we're talking old mm. school now. Where does the horse come in, fishos? Let us know if you have an opinion. Is it in hands, like you measure horses? <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> I, I, I would posit one argument, and yeah. that is. If the brag mat is not big enough and you have to start using speakers or parts of the boat, <laughs> so brag mat plus another bit, or perhaps plus a hand or two, I reckon you're into the horse territory there. I think. And that, I think you've posited a fair posit there. I rest my case for now. I think we'll, we'll roll with that. Good work, Andy. It's great to be back. This is Tales from the Tinny. Get a mullet up, ya. Go on. You've been dying to try. And there's no time like the present. Tales from the Tinny. Let's head down the track now for me for the first time in quite a while and say good day to a bloke who rules that roost in, in some regards. Warren DeWitt, Il Duce of Afed, Ayatollah of the DKVR and of Rod and Rifle Tucker Welding. Catherine, g'day, mate. How, like, how the bloody hell are you? I'm very good, Rob. It's good to hear that you're back on the airways again, mate. It's been a bloody long time since we've heard your dulcet tones on the airway, so it's good to hear you back again. Oh, there's been some rubbish on air in between, hasn't there? I tell you what, and the, and the mess, the, the mess I found fair is joining fellas. When fair I go. got back, my tackle was all over the place. There's bloody rubbish everywhere. You just can't rely on the kids to take care of the joint. Can Someone you, super glued his phone no. to the holder. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good to have you back again, mate. At least it'll uh, sort of upgrade the standard a little bit, eh? Oh, well, I don't know about that, but thanks for talking me up, fella. What's, what's been happening in your parish? Talk us around. The, well, let's have a look at the daily first. Yeah, it's going to be uh, pretty good. It's been fishing pretty good. Up in the freshwater section, I've seen some good photos of a couple of barra in the metre five, metre four being caught in the last couple of days. Um, Certainly down the bottom, we've got the Barra National starting up in about a week's time now, so that's going to give us a really good indication of how the fish stocks are holding up in the bottom section of the daily. But there's lots of fish in the, up in the rapids still at the moment that are still working their way down through the, the rapids back down into the uh, saltwater section or into the tidal section of the daily. And, and for matter of fact, all those rivers now, you're seeing Barra starting to drop down. Those bigger fish are starting to come down at the last of that uh, run of the 
the wet season, I suppose. It's definitely worthwhile fishing up in the freshwater sections of the river systems at the moment. And also the billabongs are fishing fairly well at the moment. Now they're starting to come into their own as well now. So there's a few more options for people who want to go and fish in other areas other than the tidal sections of the rivers if they're too big a tides and you want to go and start fishing the billabongs and also up in that freshwater section of all those river systems are fishing really well, including the Vic. Um, the Vic's been fishing pretty well and I've seen a photo of a, a metre six that got caught up in the freshwater section uh, last weekend by John Forrest. So there's some good fish also dropping down now out of the rapids going heading down into that uh, fresh uh, into the saltwater section of the Vic as well at the moment. So there is reports coming in from the Billabongs, Warren? Yeah, we are. We're actually starting to hear a few people. People are now starting to turn their attention to them now because they're starting to drop back down into their banks because they are still a little bit too high still at the moment and even Corroboree, for an example, is not fishing that well at the moment because the water level is still a bit too high. But they are going to improve as the days go on now because obviously there's no more rain and that'll just help keep dropping everything out. So very shortly you'll find all those billabongs and everything will start firing up and you need to understand that you have to get in there pretty soon because once we go into the dry season and we start getting water temperature dropping you'll find that those billabongs will start to get too cold and the fishing will even get tougher so now's the prime time to be sort of looking at getting into that freshwater sections of all the river systems in the territory. You'd have to be optimistic about corroboree wouldn't you Warren it's had a massive flush out. I reckon yeah yeah I, I reckon you'd be super optimistic about uh probably this year i reckon it's had a yeah like you say it's had a really good flush out there's still not a lot of barra coming out of there yet there's lots of tarp on in there at the moment and um, you know lots of guys catching juvenile barra but none of the bigger fish have started to show up yet but they're in there people are marking them on their sounder and so forth and saying they're there they're just not feeding or they're too well fed still maybe at the moment from all the food that's come through there during the wet season but certainly, you know, you will find that they'll start to fire up in the next couple of weeks. Oh, that's good to hear too, because uh, Crobbery is one of, of world-renowned tarpon ground. We do love the tarpon, <laughs> don't we, Rob? Oh, we, oh, we love uh, the tarpon. That, one, that one's for you, Tim Moore. <laughs> that's yeah. it. And uh, just putting your official hat on, uh, your affand hat, Warren, fracking has got the go-ahead, has got the green light from the government. Yes, it has. So we need now to knuckle down and start working with the government and the uh, departments to make sure that they are protecting the waterways of the Northern Territory and the aquifers from any potential impacts from fracking. Um, we've got to accept that the government has given the go-ahead, so we we're willing to work and hard as we possibly can to make sure we protect those iconic waterways in the Territory because we definitely don't want to have any problems with fracking or, or drilling into the, some of these aquifers and then drawing down the water too far and finding that we can't have inflows going back into the ter uh, into those river systems at a later date. Right, Warren, it's been a pleasure connecting with you again, my friend. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, boys, all the best and good to hear you back on the airways, Rob. Hi, I'm Sam from Darwin. Uh, it was Friday the 13th, stuff was starting to fall apart, it wasn't the best day, it was pretty slow. I had a couple of, a couple of bananas, I was snacking on one and had another one on the boat. I think the Friday the 13th and the banana thing like contradicted itself. Uh, we were making our way out of the mouth and then a slow day turned into a good day. holding the rod at the time too which was a great feeling feeling it take off that big whack that whack 
line started going and suddenly this big fish jumped out of the water. Sean's like, yeah, no, nah, it's, yeah, it's an 80. It's definitely an 80. Are you getting excited? I was, I was nervous at this point. Never caught a barra. Start, start getting it closer. Sean's like, nah, it's definitely, definitely a 90. Starts getting to the boat, still a 90. Didn't want it to come off at this point. Jumped out a few times. Uh, Sean had the net ready. Jumps out of the water. Sean lands it. Like, swoosh. Mid-air. Mid-air. So we got her on the mat and she measured exactly a metre. I was pretty stoked. How long have you been trying to get Barra? I've been up in Darwin for two years fishing and back home still no luck in Queensland either. So quite a few years now. I got a couple of threadfin salmon for the day. Um, that was keeping things entertaining for a while until the barra hit. Oh, I had to keep giving pep talks all day because it was a bit boring. But as I said, it only takes one fish, make your day. And we got it, so happy days. Saw fish sitting at three metres, so it suggested a lure change and um, it went across the channel and straightened up and she was on. What were you using, hard bodies, soft plastics? Yeah, hard bodies. It, was, it definitely worked, so. Fresh out of the packet. Nice, so your new favourite lure and a PB at that. Mm, absolutely, pretty happy. Set the benchmark high on your first barra. Yeah, I'm retiring from fishing now. Popping your cherry on a metery. Now I'm I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted here whether this is a fantastic thing, which I guess it is, or it's just a total injustice, which it also is. I'm conflicted, Andy. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think it's injustice, but you've got to be happy for them. But, you know, you throw into that as well. It's Friday the 13th. There's bananas on the boat. So, you know, not only has she done it straight up, but she's done it with a handicap. With many handicaps, one would say. Overcoming adversity. Right, OK. I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough to go with good on your champion now. I always was, really. Here's another champion who's been slapping the horses. G'day, it's uh, Lats here. Over the last couple of sets of neap tides, I've had three really good trips and been banging some good-sized barra. You have a few good trips, Lats. Just how good is good, these last three? The first good trip, we got about somewhere around 15 barra. Most of them were high 90s, three in the 80s, and also my mate Jack got a 119. And next? Uh, we got 30 barra in all last week uh, from two mates up from down south, never fished a runoff before. 14 of those were in the high 90s. <laughs> and, and next. And, and next. <laughs> After that, the tides got bigger and we started going in the smaller creeks and getting like 70s. Bigger fish were harder to find on the bigger tides. So focusing more on the neepish tides? Yeah, definitely. The, the smallest tides were easiest to find the fish and as they built, I think they just moved further up the creek or you know, further out of the mouth, but more spread out. So let's go back to the first good trip. Uh, what sort of rough area and uh, tell us the type of country you're working? Uh, I fished Chambers Bay and Fink Bays, everywhere from Tommy Cut, Sampan, um, Swim Creek, all those sort of the usual places. And um, the actual fish we found weren't out near the mouth. They were further up on the bends, on the creeks. Yeah, it was actually different from last year. And were you finding them on the sounder? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can see them, you see the bait and then you see the, the fish and I actually took a screenshot that would have shown about 30 odd barra in the 80s and 90s. What technique when you find them on the sounder, what are you doing to get them? Uh, trolling big shallow minnows, um, usually vary the depth two to four metres. One thing you don't vary 
generally lats is in your trolling technique. Uh, so what is it? Line out, crack a beer, tunes on. I think that's the feet up, something like that. Is that the way it goes? And the shade. Oh, and the shade. Sorry, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Might as well be comfortable sometimes. The first trip, there was 30, 40 minutes in between fish until we found them, so might as well be comfortable. And big shallow lures. Yeah, that's correct. Anything up to you know, 200 mils long. And what condition were the fish in? Oh, some of them were absolute thoroughbreds, thin, and some of them were like footballs. Obviously, the, the thin ones have just come into the creek, and the others have been in there a while just gorging themselves. So the second trip, same country? Yeah, same country. Uh, one of my mates has never fished for barra, and the other one's PB was a 70. We get there, we were there trolling 10 minutes, and one of them got a 93. Was he pretty happy about that, I'd imagine? Yeah, there was a few high fives. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on that day, they were just hooking up left, right and centre. All the fish were in the 90s. We saw one metery that threw the lures on the first jump, but that was the only real big fish. I want to be on your boat. You sound like a great <laughs> skipper. Have you thought about becoming a guide and charging a fee for this? Oh, I've had a lot of terrible trips and I take it personally when I, when I don't catch fish and I get shitty. <laughs> you do have to work hard and we see stories all the time on the tinny about just what you've said, but have you worked pretty hard this season to get to those three good trips? Yeah, I have. I have did three trips before that and I think first two trips I might have got one fish each in the 60s and the third trip was two in the 70s smashed by storms the, the mozzies were horrendous even one trip i broke the hose from my uh, live bait tank and we we're taken on water lucky the bilge pump worked we were bloody two hours from the ramp <laughs> <laughs> so we cut that trip short well this is the yin and yang of fishing life lads it is it is it's um hot and it's cold so uh going forward how do you see there's a little bit of dryness in the air how do you see it progressing over coming weeks well i want to go back but these easterlies and south easterlies are starting to really pick up I know the fish will be there, it's just bashing into the wind. Well, based on the trend of your last three trips, which is all the market going up, uh, if I was a betting man, I'd be backing you, mate. I'm quietly confident I know which bend they're going to be sitting on. <laughs> Tales from the Tinny. And uh, if you're in the market for a, a bit of quality kit... Apparently in the last hour of Latz's trip, one of the, uh, the lucky attendees who got smashed around with 90s uh, didn't quite, got a bit lax on the duty, Andy, and didn't quite keep hold of the weapon. So Ooh. an expensive bait caster and an expensive rod uh, just at the mouth of Sampan, I believe, about 50 metres, if you want to troll it up. But he did say... The lure that was on it had been banging so many big fish that it might possibly be making its own way towards East Timor, maybe. So be on the lookout for a large barra towing about a grand's worth of fishing gear? <laughs> That's it. Just look. If you see a, a suspicious-looking metallic bow wave, <laughs> maybe just have a random cast at it. Now, I'm assuming, but maybe not actually, I'm assuming the hoys have been running thick and fast, but maybe the hoys have been held pretty close to the chest of recent times. Which way has it run, Andy? 
Oh, there's been plenty of hoys. Some of the hoys were sort of uh, late starters, I guess, uh, in yeah. racing terms. Yeah, yeah, like well after the event has been run. Like a month later, yeah, yeah, yeah. on a different set of tides. And, and a safe hoy. Yeah. A hoy from a safe time distance. There's been a bit of covertness, you know. We've heard about Woods Inlet, in inverted commas. All oh, right. Famous, ben- is it, at the moment, Woods Inlet? Yeah, a little, little bit of counter being run, counterintelligence. Yeah, okay, yeah. But they're hoying. The, hoy- the hoyers are hoying. What have you got for us? Who's hoy just first up? Ellie Coleman's given us a hoy out in the harbour with Mum and Pop. Mum always says that she casts like a Gumby, says Ellie. <laughs> but that's okay because this Gumby cast has landed a personal best of 91 centimetres. You can cast like a Gumby all day, Mum, if you're banging 91s. You, you do how you want. Caught, photographed, released safely. Um, and then something for the table too, a blue salmon to take home and eat. That's great effort. And you can check out the pictures on ABC Tales from the Tinny Facebook page. Good on you, Ellie. Sean Fermay tells us he took the kids out off Dundee through the week chasing pelagics. Lots of bait schools around. We were sport for choice landing tuna, queenies, mackerel and coral trout, apart from the pelagics. Jeez, that's a nice mixed bag. You can put a tr- trout on top of it, Sean. Plenty of hits and a double hookup with my young fella made for a top few days on the water. Those picks are also on face ache. And Mick Lauman sent a picture in. This is an interesting one, Rob, from the Daily River. It's a picture of a bloke fishing waist deep at the Daly River crossing, and that was from Tuesday evening. Some people, you know, uh, says Mick, I took this photo and I warned him of the potential danger, so I'm not sure if the bloke's still alive or not. It was around, <laughs> around six, he's calling it as it is, I guess. It was around 6.15pm, uh, croc feeding time. South Australian number plates on the car. He was with two other people. Would have been about 30 to 35 uh, or a bit older. Hopefully he's uh, still around, but... I mean, seriously, that is one hell of a risk to take, isn't it? Uh, oh, hang on. Hey. Oh, oh, look, oh, we, we look what the cat dragged in. Lisa's has joined us. G'day, Lisa. How are you going? Hello, fellas. How are you? Yeah, you've Howdy. been holding the fort while I've been away too. Doing my best. Are you in for a bit of a hoy? Yes, I am indeed. Uh, Jane emailed us a few weeks back. Dearest Titty team, I regularly collect rubbish for correct disposal when I walk the beach with dogs and him indoors. I often find fishing paraphernalia, knotted line, busted lures, bait bags. The reason why I'm driven to write to you is that on approximately a 500 metre stretch of beautiful Mindel Beach, I picked up 30 to 40 bait bags, which is very bad business. That's shocking. Two days later, I picked up 12 more on the same stretch of beach. I'm alarmed and disturbed by this find, as we are, Jane. We're with you in your disturbment. That's very unattractive. I think we'll all agree. This is like bait bags. Come on, people. Come on. What do yeah. you think? I think there's a duty on fishers to do their very best to clean up after their own mess. That's you don't poo in your own nest. You don't. And, and the fishers' nest is the water. We're with you, Jane. Uh, while we're on the topic, you've got a bit of a hoy coming in. Lisa? Yeah. On last weekend, I went out to Bear Sand Island for a marine debris cleanup. I was actually a bit disappointed with the number of uh, plastic water bottles that I picked up. That was the majority of the rubbish that I picked up. And um, it's a very important nesting place for turtles and and other marine life. So I just want to say to the fishers out there, be mindful of the rubbish that you're generating on board. Maybe put a rubbish bin on board. Um, take it. You just drop it in at the boat ramp when you get back off the water. Bruce Simpson from the Darwin Game Fishing Club gave us a hoi too with the uh, Billfish Bash report. A stellar weekend on the water. Uh, 21 teams, 70 anglers. Day one was pretty quiet for all but one team. 
The crowd focused out on the witch's nose. The action was hot early but slowed as the tide turned. The fish showed up at first light on day two and pandemonium unfolded as the tide turned. It didn't slow down until lines out was called. Couldn't have asked for better weather, Bruce said. The teams rafted up for a swim in a tin, which sounds like a damn fine thing to do, with one crew even having a wakeboard session. It was that good. Sounds very good indeed, Bruce. Uh, so you got some numbers there, Lisa, I think. Yeah, 53 fish were tagged over the comp, including four marlin and one black marlin. Champion team was Meg 2. Nate Saunders took out the juniors. Lisa Taylor was champion female and Travis Westfield was the champion bloke. I've got a hoy, a personal hoy team. Actually, it's a fairly sad and remorseful hoy. As I flew south a couple of months ago, took my faithful hat with me, thought it might be required. Even though it probably wasn't in hindsight, but you just feel a little bit lost without your hat. Foolishly left it on a plane in the um, baggage upstairs between here and Sydney, when I got off the plane at Sydney. Oh, no. Heartbroken. Ouch. Heartbroken. I, don't, I, do, I just don't quite know. I don't recognise myself in the mirror. You know what it's like when you get that hat that's been... It's been moulded beautifully. For, I've had this one for about six years. Ooh, you're invested. It's not only I'm invested you're emotionally, but I'm also physically and biologically because that hat is so full of my DNA, mm. it could almost be a limb. Mm. And you, you know what I mean? And you sweat. There's fishing yeah. trips sweating that, isn't there? There's hopes and dreams. <laughs> you haven't dealt with this, have you? I haven't dealt with it. <laughs> so this is a hoy to anyone hanging around Kingsford Smith Airport in Sydney. Any potty miles down there. If you see a skanky old elephant grass hat, indestructible elephant grass hat, let's be a little bit more specific. It's a little bit whiffy, I must admit. And it's moulded to a sort of weird-shaped head. <laughs> Probably be flies hanging around it. It might walk back here itself. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> Up the Stuart like Highway. Like a homing pigeon. It has become a sentient creature. Oh, dear. I miss you, Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a hoy. G'day, my name's Kelly Wall. Um, we come up to the Territory every year from down south near Murray Bayman. My, my partner and I, Wayne, and this year we tried the Daily River and it delivered. First time at the Daily, Kelly? Yes, first time, first time. And what does deliver mean? Tell us more. Oh, well, we were fishing um, just down past Alligator Head, um, about 40 k's from the boat ramp, and all of a sudden my wheel started screaming and jumped up, wheeled in the most beautiful 111-metre barramundi. What was your personal best up until now? Uh, about 68. That's a considerable markup in, uh, in a PB there, Kelly. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'm stoked. Talk us through the fight. Well... <laughs> Like I said, I had the rod in the rod holder and all of a sudden it just started screaming, jumped up, pulled it out and as I pulled the rod out, my partner said, holy shit, it's a big one because it had jumped up and done, you know, the dance and then I looked up and we both started screaming and my partner's like, it's a metering, it's a metering and I'm like, calm down. <laughs> anyway, we started, I started winding and all of a sudden, three more dancers, so like four out of the water and like just massive big shoulders and this huge mouth. And then I got it to the bank. She actually came quite easily to the to the boat. And then, yes, my partner Wayne had the net. We got, and she just went straight in. We got her on the 
floor of the boat and funny enough we shut the door of the boat and then both started screaming, high-fiving, just yes, elation. It was fantastic. I'm still excited. Wow, what an exciting moment. Now, always uh, always good to do a little debrief here. How did Wayne go on the net? Let's do a bit of a post-match dissection. <laughs> well, he was very busy pulling his own um, lure in, and I'm saying, hey, 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 so you can hear him whining, 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 and then he tripped over something, grabbed it, and then, yes, it, she came into the net really well. So after the capture and everything settled down, uh, she released okay, Kelly? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we didn't have her out of the water long. That was our priority to get her um, back in as quick as we could. Took some quick photos. Um, she had she was tagged, like she had a green tag. We got the details from the tag, and yes, yeah, did her back in, and she swam away beautifully. Sounds like a, a good team effort. But um, how did over the period of the trip, Kelly? How did you and Wayne stack up in in the Barra stats? Oh well, there's no comparison. Wayne has not caught a metre barra, and I have not only caught a metre barra, but a metre eleven barra. So yes, he's fallen behind. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> so is is there a bit of a ruling the roost issue now? Is there like an, an ascendancy <laughs> in the Kelly department in the des- domestic front? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. He um he told me that he would buy me a cart of beer to celebrate, and yes, he's not sure how he's going to go home, given that I am the. The chairman. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly his goal is still a metery. What's your goal now? Yes. Well, good question. I would love to catch Jewfish, which I haven't done yet. It's out at Dundee. So that would be my goal. I think I can definitely tick the bucket for the bar. And, of course, if, if Wayne ever does catch me, I'll just have to keep beating him. Well, that's the attitude. That's the attitude. <laughs> now, you had a bit of trouble sleeping. I believe the adrenaline was coursing through the system for a couple of days. Have you finally managed to get a bit of shut-eye? Yes, just tonight. I called her. I called her on Monday, and um, just last night I was able to actually have a restful sleep. I just could not stop thinking about it, and just yeah, like you said, adrenaline rush. Congratulations, Kelly. One one one. It's a beautiful set of numbers. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get them all up, yeah. <laughs> so Kelly's horsed up. It's not her first barra, but but it's her first time on the daily. Saddled up, should we say? If well, you, if you, if well you she's, your, she's lassoed a horse using braid and leader. Yeah. And if you get your first horse, does that mean you've joined the Jim Carter? <laughs> joined the pony club. That's what she's done. She's she's ponied up, horsed up. <laughs> I think saddled up. Saddled up on yeah. a one-one-one. So it's not her first barra, but, Rob, it's her first time at the daily. And first Jim Carter. It's all about firsts. It is about firsts. Also, you know, you can't underestimate the stress placed upon the netter. Oh. Can you? Oh. Particularly if it's a, uh, another half. Yeah, if it's a horse. I mean, you know, your horse is running first. You <laughs> yes. want the netter to keep it first. Just keep whipping it. And get it over the Hands line. Hands and heels, just whip it. <laughs> whip it until it bleeds. And that's what hubby, Hubby's done there. So good on you. Hubby, good on net you. man. Good on you, net man. Got Kelly to the Jim Carter. <sighs> Lucianus argentamaculatus, the mangrove jack, hides in rocky outcrop while assessing environment for both prey and threat. Spies prey in foolishly indefensible position centre stream. Seizes the opportunity and bursts into the open with explosive acceleration. Violently subdues prey. Oi, what are you doing? And retreats to the safety of the mangrove to devour the kill. 
B. The fish. Tales from the Timmy. Insanity does abound somewhat in these regions. We heard from uh, Bruce Simpson who gave us a hoy with some data, some stats, which Andy loves. Loves stats. Loves stats from the billfish bash earlier on. Uh, Jason Rogers was in that comp. Lisa went out and caught up with Jason for a bit of a yarn about the comp and just a little bit of a general sailfish tutorial. Hey, Yarn, it's Jason here from uh, DGFC. We did the billfish bash at Dundee on the weekend. We had glassy weather. It was beautiful. We were sort of hoping for a bit of wind to cool us down in some times. Total tagged over the weekend was 53 uh, billfish, four marlin and 49 sailfish. Nice. And how many of those were yours? Well, we got five on board. Team Reedy's with Colin Burden, and uh, he caught his first sailfish, and then he caught another one straight after that. And then Myro on the team as well, he got three. So he got one, two, and three straight up, got the hat trick. I know, Jace, you do a lot of barra fishing. You're uh, famous in these parts for your yours and Melita's trawls around town of barra. Uh, do you do much sail fishing? I'd like to. I, I love it. It's, 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 it's probably, say, if you're doing five hours fishing. It's probably 90% boredom and then 10% pure excitement and adrenaline when the fish come up in the spread. You know, you've got your te- uh, teasers out and you've got it all going. You're not, and all you're doing, you're playing with your baits and making sure they're right so when the fish come, you're ready. And you're usually never ready because it's just like magic. And it's, if you get one up coming out and chasing a bait, it's not so bad. But when you get five or six at a time and they all go off and then there's fish there and then someone's panicking and someone's doing something else, the excitement's unreal it's just yeah pretty good so very addictive educate me with sailfish i have absolutely no experience with this it sounds like it's an all or nothing kind of trip it can be like we got lucky and we bumped into a few and if you find them just stay with them you know you can you can sort of you seem to be aimlessly wandering around the ocean looking for them looking for them and then all of a sudden they're on and it can be it can be that they're there and just not eat, interested like not eating and like on the weekend we found the turns of the tide were probably better so the bottom of the tide and then the push in and in the morning on the Sunday well Saturday we got nothing we got donuts so we had donuts for dinner a bit sad and we got sunburnt and all that sort of stuff and then on the Sunday we thought I thought oh it was a bit slow in the morning but a few fish were starting to pop up around the place we saw a couple of little birds working and we sort of headed over towards them and next thing bang we we're on and then we we're off again so we we're like oh, okay okay you know straightened our skirts up a bit and uh, you know our fishing skirts because yeah, that's what you put out to, to catch so we straightened everything up turned around went back around went back around then bang we've got another couple come up and we lost them as well i counted we raised 23 there could have been more you don't see but i only count the ones that i see or you know ones that take a bait out of the clip or come up in the in the spread of the look look your teaser out the back so i'm sort of counting that while everyone else is in a panic and i'm in a panic too but that's the way it goes. You're still keeping it together underneath? Trying to. Someone's got to. So I'm driving the boat trying to keep it going. That's wrong. I'm usually screaming, <laughs> do this, do that. But, you know, it's just the way it is. But we say we raised 23 and ones we hooked are like ones that have actually jumped or, you know, peeled drag or you've had them on for a little bit but then they get off. And that happens quite a lot. And it can be because of a number of reasons. It just hasn't, you haven't given it long enough to to eat the bait or they're just a 
a finicky fish. They can be all or nothing, and it's, you need a bit of luck as well. So, yeah, we, we hooked 15, and we landed five. So our stats were 23, 15, 5, which, well, we were pretty happy with it. Sounds pretty good, like good numbers. And with sailfish, do they swim around on their own, or are they, are they in schools, or like, are they just cruising looking for food? You get them one out. Um, we were just looking for bait on the sounder and obviously birds. There wasn't a lot of surface action. On the Saturday, there was a lot of bait there, but it was all on the bottom. Like there was all, we've seen clouds of bait on the sounder, but it was all on the bottom. And on the Sunday, it moved up to the top. So the fish, I think, must have been balling it up and chasing it up to the top. And that's how we caught them. We found some good bait and just kept in that area. The fish came. They're like ghosts. You've got nothing happening and then all of a sudden it's all happening. So that's the excitement of it. Those adrenaline moments that are um, pushing you through the moments of boredom and waiting around? Oh, yeah. You, you, you could go for six, seven hours without nothing, without a touch. You see one of the sailfish and the colours. You see photos of them and it really doesn't even do them justice. It's, oh, I can't even explain it. It's just, just yeah, they're beautiful. So Sounds like you guys did well. Every, everyone did pretty well, I think. A lot of people caught their first billfish. So that's good. That's good for everyone. Good for the sport, and you know everyone shares their positions and locations. You don't actually mind people coming over and sharing the love. It's great. Very good social sort of fishing platform. It sounds like a good fishing community amongst the sailfishers out there. Like the uh, meetings I've been to when they're chatting about it, they seem to be very um, open to sharing their information and tips and tricks um, on the water. Well, it only adds to your experience as well. So you know, if you share, you get stuff shared back, and that's just the way it is end of the day you've still got to go out and get them and even if you find them you've still got to catch them the more experience you get the better you get at it and yeah everyone's got to start somewhere that's it and it's always a great uh, way to learn from people who have the experience before you they're only fish they swim they jump they're colorful they're rainbows they're pretty they're nice i like them i love them thanks so much for your time jace and all the best in the upcoming comps thanks see you later are we going fishing today? Tales. Tomorrow? From the tinny. I'm a good girl already. It's good to have you back, Rob. Oh, it's a pleasure to be back, Andy. One of the reasons for that is we can now talk about kayak fishing oh, without you... me getting abused from the <laughs> other side of the studio. Oh, they're very intolerant, Tim. I heard you did a bit of kayak fishing while I you're did. On. I did indeed. I was in New Zealand in the Bay of Islands and hired a little... Uh, my other half had a borrowed kayak because she's a fairly ardent yakker. Nice. Not fish yakker, just yakker. And uh, we decided to go for a, a double... Because many years ago, we decided that in, a, you know, the dual yaks... Yes, yes. Two people, mm. therein lies divorce. Mm. That's it. That's all there is to it. Mm. Recipe for disaster. Oh, it is. You, t- you take a relationship into a, into a dual kayak, it goes, it goes out of relationship, it comes back a shattered, bloodied mess. It's all over. So we had individual. So she had her borrowed kayak. I actually hired a little fishing kayak. Went and dropped some little rubbers around some rocky points. Caught some lovely little snapper. Beautiful. It's different, isn't it, on a kayak? Oh, it is. How big were your fish, roughly? Oh, some of the, oh they're only pan size, um, you know. Little, oh, and they were sort of, you know, the Queensland type snapper, not like our Goldies, the lovely little spotty ones. But mm. we're getting them up to, I think, I've probably got three or four legals, and that's over 30, and probably got 10 or 12 all up. And yeah. a, a Kawa, Kawa High, huh. which is, is that a, some sort of motorbike. <laughs> yes, it's basically an Australian salmon, 
Oh, but, okay. But, but in New Zealand, of course, there's no way in the world they would bring themselves to call it <laughs> an Australian <laughs> salmon. So it's called a kawahai. So that was a, a good little fight. So 30 or 40, that's, uh, in kayak speak, they're 60s or 70s. They're good fish. Are they? Is that, oh, yeah. is yeah, it's that worth it more, It's worth more in a kayak. Go back through the Tales from the Tinny archives. Oh, right. And you'll find that it's, it's, a multiplier. It, it's worth more on a kayak. There's a formula. This is great to know. My other half actually got towed around for a while. Where she had a 100-pound hand line that we got with the higher kayak. I was just still running a little uh, light flicking rod. She hooked up with something that brought the bow of the kayak around and headed her to the other side of the harbour at a rate of knots. I found it vastly amusing. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's what kayak dreams are made of. Yes. Everyone wants to be towed. Yeah, so uh, we didn't know. Like, it dropped it after a while. After it, dropped, it had dragged her for quite a while and created a wake. Wow. We were told it might have been a kingfish or something. But... Hey, that was a good chat. Can we talk about tarpon too? That's another thing I've been banned from talking about. No. Oh. Sorry, still out of bounds. Tarpon to crap. Rightio. Okay. I think we need to get back and focus. It's time to get back to the slappers. Hey, y'all, I'm Ant-Man from Darwin. A year and a half ago, uh, a couple of mates of mine, Kane Jolly and Buff Jolly, they're both brothers. Yeah, we slapped down the bet, and the bet was a carton from each person for the first metre barra between the three of us, so winner takes two cartons of 101 turkeys. Was the bet a metre barra or a metre anything? No, it was for a metre baz, that's it. No, there was no second places for any other fish. Last weekend on the Neeps, and I was just thinking, I'm never going to get a friggin' metre barra. Yeah, so we called Mike. I said, I bloody need you on the net, mate. I dropped three the other day. So I started getting closer to the, to the big fish. I had this little secret weapon lure that was picking them up the last time I was out there. I got three in a row within an hour, but dropped them all. Got out the mouth, chucked them on, started trolling out the mouth. Within five minutes... Trolling, bang, we're on, straight away. First troll of the morning. Couldn't believe my luck. On my spastic lure too, that swims like a spastic dolphin. $12, and it was just heavy. I was like, oh, it's a bit heavy, mate. I hope it's not a big shreddy. So I'm sitting there whining for about 15 minutes. It was was it fighting? Yeah, it was just sort of sitting there lulling around a bit. My arms were already sore before I even got anywhere near the boat, and then she started playing up, and as soon as it came out, Mike's call was like, it's a f***ing metery, mate. And he started coaching me like, we're at the gym. I haven't been to the gym since I was 18. And his words that I remember totally were, don't f*** around with it, just bloody own it. So I'm into it, and he's tapped me on the back. He's like, you've got your fish, mate. Don't lose it now. Don't f*** it up. Over and over again, every time I jump, by now we've got it beside the boat, and I'm getting pretty nervous. I'm thinking, this is it. Finally, hook, hook one, got out the boat, got a good bloke on the net. First shot, I was like, we're just going to jump it in the net, mate. We're not going to piss fart around, you know. I was pretty f***ing scared at that stage. I was like, oh, no, it's just we're going to lose it here. Over the net and into the side of the boat. Yeah, nearly lost her. And then it's just straight back into it. It's the coaching, the smacking on the back saying, f***ing own it, mate. Get her up. Come on. Next time she come up, she played up, got, a, got the net under her chin and bang, she swam straight in. And that was it. Oh, a lot of yahoo and a lot of screaming. Obviously, I was celebrating already. I was like, I don't know if it's a metre, mate. He's telling me it's a metre. I'm not sure if it's a metre. But you knew it'd be close, yeah? Oh, it had to be on the dials. The biggest, biggest barrel put in the net, that's for sure. Could you picture the case of turkeys? Oh, it just, just looked like a slab of turkey sitting in the net. <laughs> so we've, I've tried to grab the net and he's like, don't worry, mate, I've got the f- 
rotten fish. It's all right. It's in the net, you know. Like, just calm, it's calm down. It's 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 a giver. You've got it. Put it down on the deck. Measure up. Wouldn't you believe it? 101 on the nose. And I'm just like 101 for a slabber. 101. So you... Almost meant to be in that one. It was. It was even better that buffer. One of the blokes that was the bet was came past me 15 minutes later, trolling, asking me how my day's going. And I yelled out to him, I've got the fish, you better go get the slab. And he didn't believe me. Oh, it's only 80, you reckon? And I was like, keep flicking through them photos, mate. And you've seen the photos of it on the brag board. So the next fish was a 129 shreddy, the biggest shreddy I've ever seen in my life. So Same lure? <clears throat> same lure. Those lures got put on both rods for the rest of the day. Well, we fished all day and it went quiet, but the job was already done. So has he paid up yet? No, no. What's going on there? Do we need to shame them? Oh, no, I wouldn't say shame them, but I think they'll hear this and might get them motivated. All right, boys, get your shit together. Get down the bottle and bring this man his winnings. (laughs) You heard it, boys. Hey, gym junkies, roids are great, aren't they? Bloody awesome, in fact. Yeah! You can stack on bulk like beef on a stud bull in no time. Delts, traps, abs. Just last week, I upgraded my six-pack to a full slab. Check it out. Trouble is, if you go a bit hard, your powerful pumped pecs tend to become lolling, lactating man titties. Now, this used to be a bit embarrassing, but not anymore. Because now, there's TFT man milk. Tales from the Tinny Enterprises has exploded onto the health and fitness scene with the introduction of the TFT Man Muscle Milk Range of dietary super supplements. Yeah! TFT Man Muscle Milk in skim and full fat, Man Muscle Yogurt, creamy Man Muscle Ricotta and pungently aromatic Man Muscle Blue Vein. These high-protein, low-sugar, anabolic-packed power products are just what your hormonally discombobulated body needs after a man-sized workout. What are you looking at, weedy? Never seen a bloke with tits before? Come here, you scrawny little turd. I'll tear your head off and use it to pound you to pesto. It's just more must-have merchandise exclusive to the TFT online superstore. Proudly brought to you by Tales from the Tinny Enterprises. Yeah, g'day, Alan Hunter from Woods Inlet, mate, uh, up here in Darwin. Yeah, had a big weekend out there on the water. One of those sort of once-in-a-lifetime things for a few of the boys that tagged along. A few of them got their first metery and another lad got his second, so everyone was just having a fat time, you know. She was pretty wild. A good trip. Uh, you're saying a couple of boys had a pretty good time, a couple of boys missed out too, the phone calls that went oh, begging. I reckon they'd be still kicking themselves. The whole bloody build-up, everyone's like, oh, you know, let us know when it's on, let us know when it's on, and you just tell them, look, it's f***ing on when it's on, and when I give you the call, pull your finger out and jump on board. Talk us through some of the numbers. In all fairness, mate, I don't actually know how many fish we caught. I know that we got four over a metre, the one massive groper was 1.4 metre. We got a nice thready. He was my PB. He was uh, 121 of the inside of the fork. Two 99s, me mate, Priddle. Yeah, the poor bugger. Like, he's been fishing for a long time and he's been chasing the metre here and there. And at 99, you know, and all these other you know, their first time fishing, bang, metre, metre, metre. Yeah, I felt so sorry for the bloke, you know. So you're obviously getting to know Woods Inlet pretty well. Uh, talk, talk us through the technique. Were you sounding them out? And if so, you know, where were they sitting? And Is there any method to this, or are you just very lucky at Woods Inlet? Woods Inlet, I don't know what it is. She always produces. Um, in all fairness, on the first day, I burnt 200 litres of fuel driving up and around like Headless Chook. 
um, to find the fish everywhere, like my normal haunts where I always do all right, had very, like they had fish on them, but they were all small. You know, 80 was the biggest sort of thing. So I tore up and down trying to, you know, find the tide turn here and there to, to find where the fish were. And you could see them on the sand, you're thinking, F- you. And then um, late in the Arvo on the first day, found the fish on the sand, but they weren't feeding, but got that big thready there. So I thought, right, oh, tomorrow I'll see you at the tide turn sort of thing. Probably a mate wanting to go fishing. Ah, <laughs> work, unfortunately, keeps stuffing up the fishing trips. But uh, we seen them there on the first day on the sander, so I knew, right, oh, we got to be here tomorrow for the high tide. Cruised up there. We were there a couple of hours early, so sat there tossing vibes around and caught heaps of fish. Uh, black jewies on the cast, groper on the cast, threadies on the cast, snapper, golden snapper, barras in there with them. Um, and in the sticks too, it was really good. It was it, one batter in particular hooked him right in the middle of his back, and it was the toughest fight I've had in quite some time. You know, it was fucking really good. And then um, I was just sitting there and looking at the tides. You know, went slack. Right, I quick duck around to this where I thought they'd be and pulled in there, started trolling, and you see him on the sander. You know, red hot. Look at this. And I just said to the boys, like, we're sitting there and we'd only gone a few hundred metres up, and I said, boys, when this tide turns, I reckon she's going to go all right. Mate, I reckon I just said the words, and the first rod, metre one, straight up, was like, yes, here we go. You know, the first one, everyone's running around Edler's Chook. So we got that in, and everyone's happy, and, you know, while they're taking photos, I got the line back in, trolling again, and bang, every time we did a pass, uh, yeah, she was on. It only lasted for an you know, hour and a half or something, but in that hour and a half, I couldn't. I don't even know how many big fish we caught, but um, dollar five was the biggest, two 101s, a 103, Eight ninety nines and yeah, it was just heaps of fish. It was high adrenaline stuff, mate. When you get the meteries and the and the ones just below, but also when you throw in jewies and groper in yeah. that shallow water, that's uh, some drag burning. No, nah, on the on the light bait casters and that, I'm a bit heavy handed. I run the fifty pound braid, eighty pound leader, pretty much for whiting. So everything <laughs> uh, everything gets into the boat when I hook the bastard. So they don't have much of a chance. Um, some of the lads use real light gear and. They get blown away or snapped off, and nah, I don't drive all the way to Woods Inlet to get blown away. So, <laughs> last time we saw your photos on uh, Woods Inlet, a lot of trees, a lot of palmy type trees. It looked like Eastern Woods Inlet. You looked like you're fishing the west this time. It was a bit more coastal. Yeah, yeah. Look, that it's a big system. Um, <laughs> it pretty much stretches the whole of the Northern Territory. I'd say that's how far I've travelled it. You know, Easter was hand over fist barrows, good fish. And then, you know, back it up two weeks later with this trip. So it's living up here is just God's country, you know. Tales from the Tinny. So the famous Woods Inlet, yet again. Ah, in inverted commas, I believe. There's been yeah. a lot of Woods Inlet action, has there? Yeah, yeah, just go to Woods Inlet, honey. I'll be back in an hour. Uh, it yeah. could mean anything. It could mean anything indeed. I notice how the, the paradigm, the metric paradigm has shifted of what... What is a decent or what is a small or what is a... a those 80-centimetre fish were being talked about in an offhand fashion. And the that's been happening ones. a bit all through the show. I know. What's happened? It's just like someone sort of just jacked everything up by 20 centimetres. Yeah. Rubbish. We had to get through the rubbish. Rubbish 80-centimetre fish. Horse rats. <laughs> Horse rats. <laughs> Ponies. Oh, dear. I just had the worst happy ending of my life. <laughs> I was nearly sort of dry reaching just from thirst. And basically shitting my pants going, oh no, I've got to f- stop this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to trash me. Tales from the Tinny. So as the click fest continues, 
the kilometre, the thousands of meteries appearing across the top end. We, we thought we need variety is obviously the spice of life, Andy. An essential part of the spice of life. Uh, so we've come seeking some variety and we've come seeking a bloke by the name of Russ from the Do. G'day, Russ. G'day, Smithy. How are we, mate? Now, you've been chasing meteries, mate, but of a different varieties. You've changed focus. I got metery madness with the barras and focusing on them like everybody else, 100 mile an hour everywhere, and then I changed the track and I thought we'd get back to some blue water. I, I went solo over the Tiwis and the prawn man took his mate Jace over there and uh, we just targeted big Jewies and, and hopefully the, the Holy Grail golden snapper. Can you tell us um, where in the Tiwis broadly you were fishing for the Jewies? Uh, look, yeah, most times, uh, no secret, a lot of people might head up the Aspley there. There's a lot of water there to fish, a lot of reef and spots and we've been doing a lot of homework over there and probably my, I don't know, 12th or 13th trip over there so far. Now this is a, a conquest that might prick a lot of fishers' ears. The metre goldie isn't really out there, right? The holy grail, Smithy. <laughs> the colour in one of those fish would be incredible just to see and how old they are. We set the bar, all of it, my mates, we couldn't get over 74 there for quite a while. And then I've been lucky to get a few in the 75s. And the last trip over there, I hit the 78 mark. So we're climbing the ladder slowly. How does a 78 goldie handle? <laughs> to be honest, you'd swear it was a jewfish around the metre mark. The way he nods solidly the whole way up, it's a ripper fight. They do really go well. How many of those did you get in that sort of region? You generally only usually get one trophy fish. Then you, you want to bag out on pan-sized ones, nice eating size. So, yeah, we're, we're going to stick at that. That's a new mission at the moment. Now, any of these goldies caught on, on lures or plastics? Yeah, yeah, no, we do get quite a few on, um, on the plastics. Big softies and heavy jig heads, like two ounce, two and a half ounce jig heads with a, a seven o hook in them, and yeah, they they they're, when they're on the chew, they just they nail it. So you were there solo, and and the dirty prawn man had had a mate along. Yeah, he did the filthy prawn man. <laughs> he was not far from us on his one of his favourite little spots where I have poached a couple of big snapper under him on that spot. Good um, on you, mate. He deserves it. He does. He does, Smithy. So um, he's still stuck on seventy four. He hasn't moved off there for for quite some time, and that eats him up like you wouldn't believe. But it was a good trip for both boats. Oh, yeah, it, it was. It was fantastic. He, he actually did chase a couple of barra. I, I didn't even bother with a barra, but they, they got I think one nice barra and a couple of threadies and stuff like that. And I just concentrated pretty much on a few ju- jewies and, and the snapper. How were the weather conditions on the way over and back? Oh, it was sensational. We had just brilliant weather. The camping over there, we didn't have any rain. Um, so we, to be honest, you, you just sort of you need to spread your fishing out over. You don't want to bag out in like two hours. So you, you just be smart about don't wear yourself out. Park up, have a snooze and a few beers and, and next morning go, go again and, and hopefully get your bag limit. What water are you fishing in, Russ? It, it starts off... <clears throat> where the prawn man's favourite spot is, that's about 44 metres, so very deep there. Um, and then generally, you know, it's around the 30 metres. And then we, we like to have a little bit of fun too in some shallower water where you can just drop a jig down, pretty much hit the bottom, wind it up, put your rod in the holder, crack a tinny and, and watch it go off at some stage, mate. That's how, how good it is at times. And you had to move to get away from the fish? Yeah, for sure. I think I, I was just about to move and I got one more and the prawn man was filthy. He didn't have enough chewies. So prawn I, man's always filthy. <laughs> I don't know what his problem is. He's, so, so I had to. Um, I donated one to the prawn man's boat, which he, that made him happy, mate. Okay, so how are you feeling, champ? Are you limbering up for the, for the final run, the holy grail, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? Do you think it's in sight? 
Well, I think it's going to take a few more tanks of fuel to get there, but you can sneak up and sneak up. And I have heard quite a few fish shows getting a 90-odd, and I have heard of the bloke got a metery a year or so ago, only in a couple of metres of water. So, yeah, no, they're out there, mate. They're definitely there. Tails from the tinny. Get a muddled up your brass. They're definitely out there, he says. The mythical quest for the metre goldie. What do you reckon? Uh, uh, you know, got got sick of catching metery barrows, so I'll catch a metery something else. <laughs> well, what talking. a life. <laughs> Once again, we've got the, the paradigm, the metric paradigm shift. Where uh, Russ said, you know, I bagged out, you know, caught the caught the trophy fish and then moved off to get, you know, bag bag full of uh, just eaters. Mm, pan sizes. Pan size. What well, Russ was telling us afterwards is that these pan sizes were 60 and above. That's a big pan, Russ. Big pans in your house, brother. <laughs> That's a big pan and a nice little bit of gold. I think it's time to refocus, though, Andy, and bring us back to the theme of the day, which has been the netties. Do you do a netty impersonation? <laughs> One of them? No? <laughs> That's pretty bloody good. Hey, I thought you were going to be absolutely crap. That was quite all right. Well, I just spat like Rob Smith then all over the microphone. <laughs> Well, we, we saved possibly the best, well, certainly the biggest, until last. This is not just a horse, it's a bloody Clydesdale. The horse, the horses are on the track. Hi, I'm Daniel from Darwin. We were fishing basically in a two metres worth of water, casting for a good maybe hour and a half, two hours on the outgoing tide down at the mouth of Shady Camp. There's a creek inside the mouth and it's on the right hand side and it wasn't flowing at all, there was not much magic going on with it but there was a big colour change near the troll line and we were just basically fishing that, just sank it up. Casting all the way up into that creek, hammering it real hard with the lures for a good hour. Was there much action on the water? Uh, it was pretty quiet. There was a few barrier in there buffing now and then you see mullet jump, but it was mostly it was very quiet. The barrel were really like low down. When we would sound around they were sitting about that five, six metre mark and ten metres of water, so it was just one of those fish that was maybe just feeding on the flats. Bit hungry and then you tapped him on the face. Yeah, definitely. Let me hear it. Give it. The sweet, sweet sound of a barrel ollie. Yeah. It did the damage. Basically, what I say, you get the wobble, you get the gobble. So I was whacking the lure really hard. And I looked away, and I don't know, always hook up when I look away. So, like, craziest noise, water going everywhere. And I just felt my reel just open up. And I was like, big, 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 big. And then I thought for a second, yeah, this is big barra, this is big fish. But then it just went real, like, it went sort of dead. It was just, like, slowly cruising. I thought it might have just been this croc that was sitting at the creek for, like, a good hour the whole time of fishing. So I thought I might have just fouled hooked it when it was sitting on the bottom because it was just slowly towing and then I thought, ah, oh, no, it's a croc. And then it was real weird because I turned the fish real quick. I just thumbed it and turned it. And then it came next to the boat and then it just kicked, like, really, really, really hard. And it was pushing to, like, a bow wave, like a metre bow wave in basically two metres of water. So we thought, OK, this must just be the croc because you don't really get fish that do that. 
and then it came up on its side and I saw the silver in the scales of the fish and I saw where my leader knot was and I only had 50 centimetres of 6 pound leader on front so I was like, I'm not really going to land this fish. When it turned, I was shaking, I didn't, couldn't believe it. I was yelling at Dad, I said, lift anchor up, lift anchor up, we've got to chase it. And the moment he lifted anchor up, the fish just ran out straight to the middle of the mouth in the middle of the river. And then it went into the current and it just opened up and I'm just sitting there watching line just getting peeled until about five, ten metres away from it. So we switched off just so he can run and do his thing. Next thing we know, it was still going, so I'm thinking my dad's still chasing it. So I'm yelling at him, chucking it in neutral, and he says, no, we put it in neutral ages ago. The fish is now towing the boat in the current and just hammering. It came up on its side and its head poked out the water and the head on that thing was just, like, it was crazy. To see my lure sitting in its, its mouth, with two trebles in its mouth and one in its head and the leader was just hanging out the water. I was like, okay, I've got a chance because it's not in its down its throat. And then when it jumped, its mouth just opened up and you know how people say barrel, like if you catch a big barrel, it's like a bucket. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, it's probably going to be the same. It was like bigger than a bucket. It was massive. Like I reckon I could have put my head down and like down its throat basically. That's how big the mouth was. And looking at the pictures, uh, fishos, check them out on Facebook. The, the, the width of the head on this thing is as wide as Daniel. Yeah, it was big. Like, the moment we got into net, I basically just free-spooled it and helped Dad. And I grabbed that net, like, probably the fastest I've ever dropped a rod and picked up a net in my life. And Dad's at the back of the net and I'm up in front and we just lifted it and hit the deck and we just looked at it on the floor. And where the head was was at the back of the side console and its tail was up at the casting deck. I was looking at it and the scales were just massive and I couldn't believe it and I was just screaming. I was just yelling, I was so happy. And then we couldn't get it out the net because it like sort of bent the net a little. <laughs> so eventually when we got it out, we um, I was basically just pulling the tail because we couldn't get its head out. And then I was trying to put your bogo grips um, around the lip to just pull it out that way. And my dad kept on saying, no, nah, it's not going to work. So I thought, no, nah, I'm pretty sure bogo grips can go around Barry's lip. So we're trying and then eventually it's clicked in my head that the, how big the lips were, the bogo grips couldn't even go around it. So even when we got it out, when I went to hold the fish, when I was holding it by the lip, I couldn't even put my hand around it. That's how big it was. it was. It was a big fish. It was really, really wide too. The head was like, the head was like easy, like 60 centimetres wide. It was massive. It was really big. It ended up being 134. It's pretty bloody impressive. This one smashed your PB? Oh yeah, my PB was only 87. So it's a bit of a jump. I didn't think my first meter was going to be that big. I thought hopefully like meter would be like one one metre, 104, something like that, I would have been stoked, but a metre 34 is just something you don't hear that often on 30-pound braid and 6-pound leader. I've heard a lot of people use 80-pound leader for the fish like that, but, yeah, it was nuts. People always say, you know, you only catch fish like that once in your life, and I'm pretty sure I don't think I'll ever be able to beat a fish that big. I'm stoked for that, so hopefully in the future I might catch a few more metres, but I don't ever think I'm going to beat 134, so be good. Fish of a lifetime, caught with your dad. Yeah. Heaps good, very good. It did swim off really strong. We released it, so put it in the water, gave me two big head shakes, and I just let go, and just next minute just came back on its side and just kicked its way out. So it's good that the fish released, and you know, probably someone else might catch you when it's a bit bigger, so who knows. Daniel Lutig, well done. Oh, thank you, thank you. That photo is one of the most stonking fish 
I think we've seen, I believe a number of years ago, maybe eight years ago, we had a 140 or a 138 front down on the Roper. And the photo was of a similar impact. But I, it's, I don't know what you say. That's past horse. Speechless on that. That is the photo of the decade for a, for a horse. And, you know, we talked about fish towing kayaks, but horses <laughs> towing motorboats <laughs> is right. a whole different level. Well, I'm exhausted. This Jim Carner has just run me down, particularly, you know, first outing. First back from a spell, as they say. But straight into it. Straight into it. Hit my straps. You two have been flogging me. Lisa's joined us for the for the final wrap-up. You two have been flogging me to a new level of tinny madness. Hopefully that I can maintain for at least a week. That's about it for the show this week. Thanks to Sam Walker, Sean Anderson, Jason Rogers. Changing theme, heading off towards sales with uh, Bruce Simpson. Daniel Ludig, the monster, the Clydesdale, the maestro with the one, three, four stonker. Lats, Craig Laddimore, Alan Woods, Ellie Coleman, Sean Fern, Mick Lauman. Thanks to you, Russ Walton and Kelly Wall. Well done on that fish. Anthony Vallis, the Ant-Man. The Ant-Man. Jane, the rubbish warrior. And to you, Alan Hunter. And Timothy Moore, of course. Thanks for your absence, Timmy. It's been a, a great show without you, maybe because of your absence, but that's for others to debate. Warren DeWitt, as always, for his contribution. And I've got to thank you guys, Andy and Lisa, for holding the fort, trying to keep Timmy honest while I was away. Of course, he did a fantastic job. He'll be back next week, Timmy, but thank you to you guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Looking forward to going back to being a, a regular potty mullet. <laughs> Good on you guys. And Lisa, you'll be staying on. Yes, I will. And thanks to you all for listening. This has been Tales from the Tinny. Get them on.